When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate using more of our mind than our money using creative real estate investing strategies, all with an emphasis on escaping the daily grind and retiring early. Now, this is your first time here. Really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for continuing to share this with your friends and family. Uh, we just would not be here if it weren't for you doing that. So thank you. Uh, today, it's actually been, I don't know, I think a week or so since we've done an episode. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting excited about the summer or lazy. <laughs> that could be an alternative. Um, I've got a few deals going on and I've just kind of been a little bit distracted with regard to uh, podcasts and YouTube stuff, but um, the show will go on and we're not going anywhere. I just took a little bit of a break anyway. So today I want to talk about how to compound your return on investment. And I'm not talking about compound interest either. And so we're going to dive into that of some stuff you, that you can do and kind of restructure of how you run your investing and how you can uh, not just maximize your returns, but compound your returns. And of course, I got the news and I've got this week in cryptocurrency. But first, today's sponsor of the show wants you to know that if you've got the dream, they've got the funding and they can help you get it fast. Getting funding for your business as easy as one, two, three. Step one, you just go to their website and get pre-approved. Step two, you get funded. And then step three, there isn't a step three. It's just a two-step process. That's how simple it is. The people at epicfastfunding.com want you to know that if you need money for your business, for a rehab, for marketing, doesn't really matter what you need it for. If you need it and your credit score is in decent shape, simply go to epicfastfunding.com and get an instant pre-approval without pulling your credit report, without even talking to a person. You can get it just like that. And in as little as seven days, get a $50,000 to $150,000 credit line. 
that can all be yours to give your business the boost it deserves. Go to epicfastfunding.com. You've got the dream. Now get the funding, epicfastfunding.com. All righty. So as I lead off the show, mostly every week, uh, this podcast, it's the, this is where we, uh, or, or where I show people how to invest in real estate so they can escape the daily grind and retire early. And that's what the show's all about. And that's a really easy fix for me, when I, especially when I meet people who, who live in the traditional life of work, 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 save, save, save. The people who have been sold and believe the compound interest lie. Uh, it's a scam dressed up in truths clothing. And it's like this. According to legend, Albert Einstein once called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world and the most powerful invention in human history. And here's why. Compound interest is the addition of interest to the principal sum of a loan or deposit and the result of reinvesting that interest rather than pulling it out So that interest in the next period is then earned on the principal sum plus previously accumulated interest. And something that you'd expect a a traditional financial planner to show you is a a little graph. You know, they'll show you, say, if you had $1,000 and you buried it in your backyard for 20 years, um, it would be just a nice flat growth that wouldn't grow at all. You'd go back in 20 years and dig dig it up and there's their $1,000, right? Now, if that that $1,000 were invested let's say at a 10% annual return without the benefit of compounding, it would grow on a very steady trajectory, a nice straight line um, progressing upward. And then though, if you had 10% with its interest compounding, now your growth becomes exponential in a very high arcing trajectory, like a curved line, not a straight line like the interest uh, without the compounding would look like. But you get this nice high arcing line and the longer you wait for compound interest to do its thing, the more significant the separation between compounding and non-compounding gets. And and it gets to a point towards the end of when most people would have, their lives would end, I guess. Um, it's almost, it turns into a, almost a vertical line. It grows that fast. And you don't have to do a thing. It just happens. Thus, it's an Einstein-nominated candidate for the eighth wonder of the world. And it sounds great, but only if you want to wait. There is another way that I'm going to let you in on in just a minute, because depending on how much you make and are able to save, you may have to wait a really long time, a lifetime likely, a lifetime in most people's uh, situations. And for most people... This is a, it's at least a 40-year adult life of work, 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 save, 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 wait type plan. Work, save, wait, work, save, wait. Uh, and in the immortal words of our good friend, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, savers are losers. Now, when Mr. Rich Dad says this, he's not referring to savers' character. No, he's not talking about you're a loser in, in your personal qualities, but rather to the money that they save. Their money loses its purchasing power at the hands of inflation, like all fiat currencies do. And that's true. Your financial planner won't tell you that. 
And there are two other, though, losing propositions that they're not telling you about either. So that second one is money loses its compounding power. You see, your money doesn't compound in real life in the way a financial advisor presents it to you. In theory, their compounding interest presentation would be accurate the way that I described it and it has this high arcing growth trajectory and then to where it gets hits that hockey stick type shape where it just starts going straight up. But what they don't share is that over time, there's something else that's compounding. Your financial planner's management fee. And you'll be thinking like, well, yeah, Matt, but it's just 1% or it's just a half a percent or it's just 2%. My, my planner's got to eat too, right? Right. But initially, you know, a 1% fee doesn't seem like much because in the beginning it's not. But like your investment compounds over time, so does that fee. So if we were to take two $1 million stock portfolios, we'll just take Portfolio one, portfolio two. And they both earn the exact same, so let's say an 8% annualized return. And that's, say, over 30 years. And the only difference, everything is all the same, this is apples to apples. The only thing, the difference between the two is that the fees that the, each portfolio pays. So to say portfolio one pays a 1% management fee, portfolio two pays a 2% management fee. So portfolio one with that 1%, it brings its net annual return to 7%. And portfolio two, uh, its management fee brings it to a net 6%. So it's 8% return minus the 1% management fee gives it 7%. 8% minus the 2% management fee gives it 6%. So that's the only difference between portfolio one and two. So after 10 years, portfolio one is worth $176,303 more than portfolio two. After 10 years, it's almost a $200,000 difference. It's a big difference. But after 20 years, portfolio number one is worth $662,549 more than portfolio number two. That's more than a half a million dollars. That buys a nice house in just about 48 states of, of the United States. That gives you a nice house after just 20 years. But check this, after 30 years, portfolio number one is worth $1.8 million more than portfolio two. So at the end of a lifetime of saving, that's $1.8 million less than portfolio two. The difference in paying 1% more in annual fees over 30 years is nearly twice as much as your starting portfolio amount. That will have a significant impact on your financial well-being in your golden years. That is the power of compound interest working against you. You know, my friend and financial strategist, uh, Mr. John Dwyer, we had him on the show here, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And he shared his story like he left traditional financial planning. He left it for good because of the routine disappointment that he'd see on people's faces when their retirement didn't compound to nearly the amount that they expected. So that's the second way that uh, savers lose is they lose their, their money loses its compounding power if, uh, if it's invested in the traditional means that we're all guided towards. So the third way savers lose that no one is telling you about is the loss 
of your life. Savers lose time. That's a resource they can't get back. You know, if you lose some money, you can work a little extra harder, put some extra effort in and, and get that money back. But time, once that's passed, that's gone forever. And when we're speaking in the, the context of allowing compound interest to do its thing, and really the only way for it to do its thing is to give it time, savers lose the most active and productive years of their lives waiting for their money to grow. Savers that park their money and wait, they lose everywhere. So if you want to win and save yourself and your family from a lifetime of financial worry, rather than parking your money, consider driving it. The faster you push the velocity of your money, the faster it and its interest compound. You've got control over this. So the velocity of money is, is something economists use to determine the health of an economy. But you can use it to measure the health of your portfolio as well. So in an economy, it works like this. Say we have a restaurant owner who pays the grocery store owner $100 for steak to serve to their customers. So the grocery store owner takes that $100 they just received from the grocery store owner, excuse me, from the restaurant owner, and gives it to the rancher to buy more beef because they got to cut up more steaks, right? So the rancher takes that $100 and gives it to the farmer to buy more grain to feed his cows so he can sell more beef, so the grocery store owner can sell more steak and the restaurant owner can serve more nice dinners, right? And then the farmer gives the $100 back to the restaurant owner when he takes his wife to dinner. So we've got this little circle of this, how this $100 has traveled through the economy. This single $100 bill purchased four times the number of goods and services it would have had it been parked. And it was able to do this merely because the economy drove it instead. So a high money velocity is usually associated with a healthy expanding economy. A low money velocity is usually associated with recessions and contractions. And this principle and practice can be applied to your investing too. So let's use the same example of, of how the, that $100 moved through the economy. But what we're going to do is we're going to swap out these various people's businesses and we're going to replace them with your investments. So let's say you're an REI ACE investor who knows how to find deals. You go out and you find a good one. And you, it's going to require $100,000. So you pick it up and it cash flows $300 a month. So you got a property. It's cash flowing $300 a month. So you apply that $300 of monthly cash flow toward a new Jeep Wrangler. And if you didn't know, the Jeep Wrangler is the number one earning vehicle on the car sharing app Turo. If you've never used it, I highly recommend it. It's kind of like Airbnb for cars. So that's the number one earning vehicle on that car sharing app, Turo. And so you put your Jeep to work on Turo, of which pulls in an average of $900 a month. That's per the uh, per Turo's website. That's what you can expect on average. So that $900 a month that you're receiving from Turo by renting out your Jeep Wrangler, that flows into your decentralized financing account where you deploy it in peer-to-peer -peer lending, earning 40 to 100% annually. Get familiar with this expression or this term, decentralized finance. We might re hear it uh, referred to as DeFi. 
But you take your $900 a month from your car, uh, the, the money that your car is generating, you put it in a peer-to-peer lending platform on a decentralized financing account, um, and it earns 40 to 100% annually until it grows big enough to purchase your next income property. So your initial investment of that $100,000 has purchased the returns of three different investments or three different assets that you own and or control that it otherwise couldn't have done investing in them separately. So you've effectively harnessed the velocity of money to force the compounding of your investment by driving it for fast results versus parking it and waiting for slow results. By driving your money, it will multiply its returns, working harder for you than you did for it. So if you retire your money by parking it, like most people do, it will do exactly what retired people do. They sit on the beach and sip fruity drinks while the rest of the world continues to work. So I don't know, I'll ask you this. You can answer this better than I can. It's up to you. It's a totally personal uh, response that you could give me. Is it fair that your money gets to kick its feet up while you continue to work? Don't retire your money before you retire yourself. I want you sitting on the beach with that fruity drink first. Now, that was just one example of how you can put your money to work. And you can deploy these investments in any sequence you want. And you're not limited to to the stuff that I've mentioned. You're not limited to an income property. You're not uh, limited to uh, renting your car on Turo, if that sounded like it was going to be too much work. And you're not limited to using uh, decentralized financing opportunities out there. I mean, you, you could swap any of those. You could put them in any sequence you want if you wanted to. You're not, and you could swap any of those out for something like an Airbnb property or a dividend paying mutual fund or cryptocurrency or an online information business or a cash value life insurance policy, what, uh, what John Dwyer was talking about a few weeks ago. Or you could deploy your money doing hard money lending or you could uh, invest in vending machines and, and generate passive income that way. You could set up a website to sell t-shirts on social media. The point is you've got a lot of options. You don't have to do what I've laid out. I just wanted to give you an example of how this velocity of money can work or how it will work for you if you uh, set it up correctly. But the point being is you have options. Do what you know, do what you enjoy. And it doesn't have to be that complicated either. You don't have to use a bunch of this stuff. I mean, I am where I am today by leveraging the velocity of money almost exclusively with income properties. By stashing the cash flow and pulling out equity to purchase the next property and then the next and the next and the next. So real estate works just fine like this all by itself. You don't even have to diversify your investments if you don't want to. It'll work perfectly fine. I'm a living example of just using the real estate, the income producing real estate. So I'm closing on a new income property actually next week using this velocity of money concept and using it with great intention to create an infinite return. And that's a good ROI. You might have been blown away when I mentioned 40%, 100% returns on these DeFi projects. Um, And those are real, by the way. But I'm talking about an infinite return. 
something you can't measure. I've got no money in it and it just continues to pay me and pay me and pay me. So as soon as it's closed, I'll go ahead and I'll share with you step-by-step the details of how I pulled it off without using a single dime of my own money or a single point of my own credit score. And I'll give you a hint. This is a strategy, a creative strategy that I've never used before and I've never talked about here on the show. All right. So if you're not already, make sure that you are subscribed to the show so you get that notification when I release that. All righty. So uh, I've got the news for you right after this. When you go to work for your money, does it return the favor? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com, and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. Savvy.com. More ideas, less worries. Cashflowsavvy.com. In the news, the markets. Stocks rebounded after a two-day slump. And Intuitive Surgical, the biggest company you've never heard of, became the latest to join the $100 billion market cap club. It's known for its Da Vinci Surgical Robotic System. It's tough to comment on the stock market these days because... It's just as volatile as anything else out there right now. But um, that's the latest as I'm recording this. And then COVID, the EU's drug regulator recommended adding a warning to J&J, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine, that there's a possible link to extremely rare blood clots. Extremely rare. That is like the understatement of the world. Uh, But it concluded it shouldn't be pulled from use because the benefits outweigh the risks. Johnson & Johnson will resume its rollout in Europe. And as I'm recording this, apparently uh, U.S. is is getting the the hint and probably going to follow suit. No official word yet, but it looks like they're going that way. It's six cases and seven million (laughs) vaccinations. That's less than one million. Excuse me, that's less than one in one million. Makes me think of uh, uh, the movie Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Anyway, Netflix is facing strong headwinds in the new old normal. Uh, Number one, COVID-19 production delays led to what Netflix called a lighter content slate in the first half of this year. Two, couch butt imprints are fading. Streaming went way up last year when other entertainment options like going to museums or waiting in six-hour lines at Disneyland shut down. Put simply, there's a boost in engagement that you get when people are in a lockdown situation. Now that people are dusting off their hard pants and hinge profiles, uh, streaming numbers are expected to slip. Number three, viewers love Baby Yoda. (laughs) After years of dominating the streaming industry, Netflix's market share slipped below 50% in quarter one for the first time ever, according to Parrot Analytics. And uh, Disney Plus topped 100 million subscribers last year, just 16 months after its launch. NBC took back some of Netflix's top hits, like The Office and Parks and Recreation, and now streams them on its own service, Peacock. And then smaller streamers, Discovery Plus and Paramount Plus, quietly had strong launches too. So to zoom out a bit, despite the heated competition, Netflix still has First mover advantage, Netflix remains the majority of viewers' number one choice of stream and chill service 
And up to 92% of viewers that signed up for competing streaming services also have Netflix. So looking ahead, things will get worse before they get better. Netflix predicted that in quarter two, only 1 million net new subscribers will join the service. That would make it the worst quarter for subscriber growth on record. In South Carolina news, nuisance alligators can't be relocated and they must be killed, sadly. So when a landowner in Charleston County, South Carolina, had a gator removed, the carcass of the 12-foot-long, 445-pound animal was brought to Cordray's Meat Market for processing. Now, they said, we don't usually open up the stomach, but we did today. And we found five dog tags, one bullet jacket, one spark plug, loads of turtle shells, and several bobcat claws were inside the stomach. And two of the dog tags still had legible phone numbers. And one of the numbers worked, reaching the former owner of the dogs associated with the tags. And the owner said he had leased the hunting property 24 years ago. And those were from his deer dogs. Can you imagine getting a call 24 years later about your dogs that were eaten uh, by an alligator? And they found the dog tags inside the alligator's stomach. Remarkable. Chipotle sales rose 23.4% last quarter, thanks to all of you ordering burrito bowls to go. JP Morgan hired 190 bankers to help alleviate worker burnout. UiPath, which makes software that automates repetitive office tasks, rose 23% in its IPO. It could end up being one of the biggest U.S. software IPOs in history. The French wine industry is concerned after professional tasters got COVID and lost their sense of taste and smell. And President Biden finally refers to the border crisis as a crisis. Yet, Vice President Kamala Harris has gone 30 days without visit to the border or a news conference since being tapped for the border crisis role. And under the subject of Arsenio Hall's famous bit, things that make you go, hmm, what happened to all of the Governor Cuomo stories? In real estate, median home price in Boston area hits record of nearly $725,000. Nationally, the median price of a home is currently at the highest level in history, hovering around $353,000. That's a 17% increase from a year ago. And then bidding wars heat up amid red hot housing market. Buyers are doing things they've never done before to get their offers to stand out. Data from Redfin showed that Between September 2020 and February 2021, nearly 18% of successful offers waived the appraisal contingency, while 13% waived home inspection contingencies. So if you're out there competing for a house, there's an idea of something you might want to do to get your offer to stand out. The U.S. housing market is nearly 4 million homes short of buyer demand. Freddie Mac says the gap has widened significantly in the past two years as builders struggle to keep up. I've been saying this forever. I've been saying this for a decade. We're making people faster than we're making houses. This is going to be an issue someday. And here we are. Mortgage rates reversing after an uptick. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate dipped by nearly 10 basis points to 3.04% for the week ending April 15th, compared to 3.13% the prior week and 3.31% a year ago. And I just got a headline on my phone before I started recording this. They've dropped again. So if you haven't done so, get your refis in. I'm stripping all of the equity at the moment out of all of my properties. And I'm redeploying to more income properties. Because when inflation, I had this conversation and I've always said this. You know, you want to, as you're building your wealth, as you're building your cash flow, you want to leverage 
as much as you possibly can, because that's going to allow you to move the fastest. But once you reach a point where your cash flow is where you want it to be, now the idea would be to start eliminating that debt so you can sustain and preserve your cash flow. So I'm at a place after the last couple of years, we did a lot of restructuring and, and reorganizing uh, our portfolio. And I kind of felt like, okay, we're kind of good here. Let's start eliminating debt. Um, I'm, I could be put myself, I want to put myself in a position to where I can really comfortably uh, go ahead and, and pull the plug anytime I need to, um, just having that option to. And, but when inflation in our current environment, a lot has changed in this last year. When inflation is all but guaranteed, how can it not be with the amount of money that we're printing? How can we not experience strong inflation despite what Jerome Powell is saying? Hey, we're still hitting our target right about two, two and a half percent. Yeah, but my, my wife's Starbucks latte is up 25% from this time last year. That's real inflation. That's the part that we feel. And, uh, when that inflation is all but guaranteed, your best hedge against it is low interest, long-term debt on hard income producing assets. That's how you win. You put yourself on the right side of the economy. You don't want to pay off your house because that inflation is going to eat up your equity. You don't want to save your money because that inflation is going to eat up the value and the purchasing power of your money. You want to take on debt, responsible debt, and debt for income-producing assets. You want to make sure that that asset is paying you more than that debt costs you to hold it because inflation eats up that debt as well. So that's what I'm doing. And with interest rates giving us another shot at an all-time low as of uh, just this morning, if you've got the ability to strip some equity, even if it's your primary residence. Oh, no, not my primary residence. That's my house. I need to pay it off. I'm telling you, if financial freedom is important to you, that's a counterintuitive move. Wait a minute. No, counterintuitive would mean that it feels counterintuitive, but it's not. It's very intuitive if you understand how the economy works and the money is working. Got it? All righty. So this week in crypto... So this week in crypto, Venmo will now allow you to buy, sell, and hold select cryptocurrencies from the app. That's important. I'll tell you why in a sec. WeWork now accepts Bitcoin for payments, and it will hold it on their balance sheet. That's important also for the exact same reason. And the news magazine Time has partnered with Crypto.com and is now accepting cryptocurrency as a payment method for subscriptions. Also important. Reason being is, each week, we get a new household name that I get to share in the news that's embracing the future, that's embracing the present and the future of cryptocurrency. The more mainstream household names that do that, the more adoption there will be of using it. It's just like the internet, just like the digital download, just like... Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, right? It's the exact same thing. The more that becomes a household name, the more that the word of mouth starts to spread, the more it becomes commonplace. Remember the, those Q cards or the QR code things? Yeah, not Q cards. The QR codes. Remember that those were like introduced maybe five or six years ago. 
and we all downloaded the little app on our phones. So we could scan the QR codes and then they just kind of disappeared for a minute. And I was like, I guess those things didn't stick. That's some old technology. No, it's, it turns out it's highly advanced technology. And if it weren't for the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic gave it a nice kick in the butt because now you go to the restaurants and you got to pull out your phone and you got to scan the QR code so you can read the menu, right? The, the cryptocurrency is going to be just like that. It's so transformative and it's so, um, or transformative or transformational, I guess, or transforming. Anyway, it's going to change things. That's what I'm trying to say. Significantly. That the adoption, there's a lot of resistance in the adoption. And it just means that you just don't know enough about it. There was a time where I was like, Facebook, that sounds stupid. Why would I want to do that? I really thought that around Twitter. 140 characters and I just going to do that all day? That sounds dumb. And then the whole Snapchat thing with the stories and everything. I was like, you're going to go to all that work, post that thing, and then the video just disappears in a day? Well, why? That's dumb. Who's going to be adopt that? And those were all of my thoughts at one point. And especially what cost me dearly was the advancement of the digital download for music consumption. I was like, no one's going to download it from their computer. They just have a computer file. They don't get the case. They don't get to see the record cover. They don't get to read the notes. They don't have the pleasure of going getting in their car and driving to downtown and going through the music store and fingering through the bins and looking for their stuff. And my God, that was such a joy to me to do. I couldn't imagine anybody would just sit there, click a button and they got the song now. Now there's not even the download, right? That's advanced out just a straight streaming. You got everything at the touch of a, at your fingertips. I'm not going to make that mistake with this. You can do what you want to do. This is not investment advice, and I am not uh, promoting any specific investment that I'm in. I'm in a bunch of them, but uh, it's turned out pretty well over the last few years. I just kind of set it to the side. I automated it on my app, on the, uh, the Coinbase app, and I just started like, okay, 50 bucks a week, buy Bitcoin, and set it and forget it. And then I started to have a little bit more discretionary income. I said, bumped it up to a hundred bucks. Let's add this Ethereum thing, 50 bucks. I did that for the last few years and just set it and forget it and never even really looked at it. I'd look at it once in a while just to see what it's growing to. And boy, what a remarkable situation it's put me in now to, to be able to uh, have another option when it comes to, um, I don't know, diversifying my investments and diversifying, of which means diversifying my risk, but also adding an extra level of creativity to my real estate investing efforts. So consider it. I don't know if you want to be the last one out or you were the last one looking in. Um, I think it's still extremely early, extremely early. So if you're thinking about you missed the boat, no, you didn't. You might've missed the boat on, on TikTok already, right? There's already millions of, influencers with millions of subscribers or followers, whatever they call them on there. But um, not the case. This is going to be global. This is going to take over the world. And if you listen to Elon Musk, he's taking it to the moon and then he's taking it to Mars. All right. Last piece of crypto news is Maker. This is a software running on Ethereum and one of a number of emerging decentralized finance cryptocurrencies. There's that expression again. You're going to hear that a lot. 
decentralized finance, or you'll hear it shortened up as DeFi, made history in 2017 as the first blockchain-based protocol to launch a major automated cryptocurrency lending platform, helping to initiate a boom in what's known as decentralized finance, or DeFi. Now, Maker is paving the way for what might become another source of growth in the now $60 billion DeFi industry, lending against trillions of dollars of real-world assets like, wait for it, residential properties, real estate, in competition with banks and other financiers. So in this case, real-world refers to collateral other than cryptocurrencies. Even the giant U.S. bank Citigroup is writing about Maker. So holders of the Project's Maker tokens have been, and that's MKR. And uh, I used to hold those. I, I had that for a very long time, and it did absolutely nothing. And I got bored with it, and so I sold it, and I bought more Bitcoin with it. Big mistake I made there. I've made a lot of those along the way, and have still done very well, with, despite myself. But holders of that token, the MKR, it's, it's called Maker, they've been rewarded with a 55% increase in value in this past week. That's the second most among the 46 cryptocurrencies with a market capitalization of at least $3 billion. The token has gained nearly six-fold this year to a market value of about $4 billion. The Maker token's price surged above $4,000 on Wednesday for the first time as members of the Maker community, the decentralized organization that governs the project, passed an executive vote to allow an ERC-20 token representing an ownership stake in a pool of real estate assets as collateral. So that's a lot of um, crypto mumbo jumbo. They're going into real estate and they found a place for it. And so that's why it surged. In short, so the proposal passed April 14th and executed two days later, allows the Tin Lake blockchain protocol to serve as a bridge between New Silver, a real estate loan company, and MakerDAO. That's their company. So two tranches of interest-bearing tokens will be issued under the Ethereum blockchain's ERC-20 token standard DROP and TIN. Those are the two tokens, D-R-O-P and T-I-N. I do not own any of those. But if you want to get a head start, maybe that would be a good place to go, particularly if you're looking to merge your crypto with your real estate. So I'll, I'll look into it. And um, I think that's it. Oh, hold on. That says, uh, yeah, that's it. So this is DeFi taking on traditional financing. That's what's happening. It's decentralized financing is taking on centralized financing. That means there's a middleman. This decentralized finance means there's no middleman. It's just an app and two individuals borrowing and lending. So this is DeFi taking on traditional finance, specifically public lending to finance loans to renovate houses in the United States. And that's this week in crypto. And that's the show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There is a good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here. I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you, and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.